Hello and welcome back to Nerdy Girl Reviews, a podcast where I talk about whatever is on my mind. My name is Katie and I'm going to share all of my unsolicited, unasked for opinions on all things media, movies, TV, streaming, sometimes books, music, video games with returning guest Rebecca. Welcome back again, Rebecca. Two weeks in a row. I feel like I won the lottery. (laughs) Oh, I feel like I won the lottery. (laughs) I'm very excited to be back and let's talk about ships, baby. Let's talk about you and me. I don't know what it is. I just like, I feel like you kind of do the same thing. We have to give little nicknames to everything and give little songs to everything because that's just how our brains work. Yeah. But yeah, we're totally going to go all in on all the Vox Machina ships today, which will encompass some campaign one spoilers, just given the fact that a lot of stuff with these ships happens later on in the story that haven't been addressed in the show yet um but we are gonna probably keep it mainly to the animated series and i may occasionally slip in like a campaign to reference or something i am going to do a whole campaign to ship episode which i am way more nervous for than this one because i am terrified of being crucified for my opinions on the mighty nine ships but i feel like these days all the shipping war stuff for either campaign has been very mellow so we're just gonna dive into all the shipping goodness Mm mm-hmm Sounds good to me. So we have different favorites. We have different overall feelings for some of these ships. But I think the beauty of something like this is that there are so many ships to enjoy and there are so many different flavors of ships to enjoy because even just the main three ones I feel like overall have such different vibes and different tropes that are applied to them and we all have our own tastes and our own things that we are personally drawn to so we're gonna definitely get into a lot of that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about shipping is trying to figure out what it is about certain ships that appeal to me over others and how that's different for each person. Um, So I I think that's a really cool thing to explore. And I think we'll be able to do that really well with these ships. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, of course, talk a lot about the like origins of these ships and how they came to be, because I was thinking about it earlier today and I was like, how did everybody play privately in a home game with each other for like three years? And this never came up until Liam O'Brien decided that he was going to romance Keyleth and romance Gilmore and romance whoever he wanted and then snowball all of these other ships. It's a little bit funny, but it's also, we've talked about this before, it makes so much sense that it would be Liam who would start all of that. And we've been having a lot of Liam feels lately, so of course we're going to go all in on that too. Yeah, he even posted a thirst trap recently on Instagram. That was that was a lot. He did. He's trying to compete with Marisha for the gym picks, I think. She's kind of got a monopoly on the gym videos and the gym picks, but Liam is Liam is coming for her brand, I guess, which I'm not complaining about, you know. I'm very bisexual here. I appreciate I appreciate all different Again, it's just like ships. I appreciate all different ones. There's <laughs> there's so much to to unpack here. 
So I think what we wanted to do was take a little bit of time for each of the main ships from Vox Machina. I love it. But also I wanted to take some time because I am notoriously indecisive and I just love to multi-ship. Mm-hmm. I did want to take a minute to shout out some of my less popular and even just non-canon favorite ships because there again are so many of them. I honestly did not know that this many ship combinations were possible until I got into this fandom because it feels like everybody ships something with somebody else and then they also ship them with like 12 other characters and I'm like sometimes these characters have never even met but okay that's totally acceptable as well because it lets people tap into their creativity super appreciate that but we actually when you were on uh the first time on the podcast we talked a little bit about Kima and Delora and I just had to start out the gate with them because it was such a a big moment for the campaign. I mean, of course, Gilmore and Vax had kind of already had a little bit of a thing, but for Matt to come right out and say, yeah, Kiba and Alora are exes, and then for them to get back together, it was like a huge thing. So I just really wanted to uh, express my appreciation for that and for them and also for having like a little bit like older more mature lgbtq representation i feel like a lot of the lgbtq representation that we get these days is very much like first love teen romance and all of that kind of stuff and i like that too but hey there are sometimes older childless lesbians who happen to end up babysitting adventuring parties that are a little bit chaotic and that's very much the role that kima and alora fall into so i wanted to give them a little shout what i like about them too is the idea that they used to be together and then they um broke up and got back together because i feel like and this is kind of speaking from an outsider's perspective but from what i've heard as well from a lot of people that something that is missing in lgbtq plus representation is uh this idea that not all relationships have to be like this perfect thing that you know a gay relationship can be messy just in the same way as a straight relationship can be messy and um i think that's cool to see yeah for sure and we'll probably even see that with a lot of the the main ships as well that it's not all like sunshine and roses but it's also not toxic it's just two people who are like not on the same page at the same time And then they have to work through certain things to find their way back to each other a lot of the time. I mean, skipping ahead a little bit, Percy and Vex canonically broke up in the campaign for a while. And it was a brief thing, but then they did end up getting back together. And it was something that I thought was interesting because like they like didn't have to do that they could have just had it be so that they were together the whole time so yeah no I like that too I I I think that there's a lot of wholesome LGBTQ representation out there but we also kind of need to show the realistic ones the ones that are not all you know perfect like you said and and just show the humanity there of of people who who are very much uh flawed and have differences and I just find the idea of like a lost love especially coming back together and reuniting like a little bit later down the line when they're in different places in life I just find that really romantic that appeals to like my 
hopeless romantic side, I guess. Whereas the the other ships that I appreciate appeal to other sides of romance that I like. So that's something for me that I, I look for different aspects in different ships, including some of the ones that never set sail, sadly. I've also gone on record saying that I think that the twins could theoretically swap partners at any point and I would be okay with that. And a lot of the fandom agrees. I, I see a lot of appeal in that, considering especially that a lot of the characters in Vox Machina are bisexual or LGBTQ in some way, which confuses people. They're like, wait, so all those jokes about them all hooking up with each other weren't just jokes? I'm like, no, they are all canonically attracted to each other. And that's okay too. Sometimes you're attracted to your friends and sometimes you can like entertain something and then it it doesn't go anywhere. But hey, that's normal and healthy too. So I don't know. I really like that. Can I tell you a fun story about um, Vex and Keyleth? Yes, please. <laughs> so the first time I kind of was discovering Vax and Keyleth. Um, I had done a little bit of like YouTube research and I had seen a few things and it was when I was like falling for the ship. I spoke to my friend Steph, who I've mentioned before on the podcast, who kind of introduced me to Critical Role. And I was telling her about this and I told her, I said, oh, I think I'm really into this ship uh, Vexleth. <laughs> and she was like, wait. <laughs> What do you mean? Do you mean Vexleth or do you mean Vaxleth? And I was like, oh, no, no, I mean the other one. Yep, going back to sw- uh, mixing up the twins as well because yeah. that's easy to do. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so yeah, I, I had a bit of confusion early on uh, as well. <laughs> totally understandable. My uh, my Vax, uh, Vexleth, I see I did it too. My <laughs> Vexleth shipping is, uh, is, is very much theoretical, you know, like with all of these, these ships that didn't happen, it's not like I'm like, this should have happened or this should happen. It's just like, I like the fan art. I like the fix. I like the idea of it. With Vexleth and Percy and Vax, for example, there's a lot of like enemies to lovers vibes that I kind of gel with sometimes. There is an appeal to that. And there's a lot, it's, it's just like a lot of chemistry for me like Vex and Zara for example especially in the animated series had a lot of like bitter ex vibes where it's like they had a really bad breakup and now it's there's still that sexual tension but it's also like I hate you because you left me and you know I I wanted things to turn out differently and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn and Laura Bailey could have chemistry with a rock like it's honestly they just look at something and it's immediate I'm taking my clothes off there's just something about each of them that's very seductive uh and especially like Zara's character design in the in the show a lot of people were like yeah she's hot she's very hot um there's nothing there's no more I can say about that so from that angle I just a, a, a lot of it I think feel like we've talked about this too a lot of it is just finding two characters hot and thinking that it would be hot if they hooked up <laughs> 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 you know that's fair yeah i mean it's just like this is my fantasy in my head or in my computer and i can make it into whatever i want one of my other th- things that rarely becomes canon in anything that i watch but i still hopelessly ship anyway is like thruples and like poly relationships i've said it before i love vax and gilmore if keyleth like didn't exist or if they had a which I would be sad about. But if Keyleth didn't exist or they never met or they had a relationship before Vax met Keyleth, I would have 
wanted them to be endgame probably but you can also solve a lot of love triangles by just making it poly like (laughs) that's kind of how i feel honestly with another poly ship that i kind of enjoy spoilers guys i'm gonna get into like big spoilers right here after vax is gone i kind of see the appeal of people shipping Vex and Percy and Keyleth. I wouldn't normally ship Percy and Keyleth. I mean, I see the appeal of it, honestly. It's the best friends to lovers trope. I think that they have good friend chemistry, which can translate to good romance chemistry as well. But Talison and Marisha kind of acknowledged it (laughs) when they were doing an after show thing for uh, campaign three. Sam was like, wait, are Percy and Keyleth having an affair? And they were horrified. They were like, no, they would never do that. What do you mean they're having an affair? And then Marisha said, if anything, it would be Vex coming to them and being like, can we open this marriage up and let Keyleth in? Um, Which Talison agreed with, Matt agreed with. Um, So yeah, I didn't like the accusation of infidelity there because... I can't, I can see Percy and Vex having all kinds of problems in their relationship. That's not one of them. They both, I will talk about this a little bit later. They both have very um, healthy sexual appetites that, you know, sometimes you need to, (laughs) you got to do what you got to do. You got to satisfy that hunger with threesomes sometimes possibly. So those are the things that I just wanted to get out of the way really quickly and if you have anything to add to that, I don't know if you do, but... Just to say that um, I can definitely understand from the perspective of looking at the whole group um, how a polyamorous type ship could emerge, because I think there is so much love between all of the cast and, you know, all of the um, individual characters. And yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. But um, it is rarely canon, except for kind of in X-Men at the moment in the comics, I've heard it's pretty much almost canon um, between Jean Grey, um, Wolverine, and uh, Cyclops. Oh, wow. Yeah, apparently that's a thing, Um, which I would be all for if I didn't really hate Cyclops. But anyway. um... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've always thought that Wolverine was a little bit bisexual, so I I can definitely see. I could I would, again, maybe prefer if it was like a different guy or girl. I don't care. But yeah, I can see that. There you go. Yeah, nice. So we have a lot less to talk about with Pike and Scanlan than we do with Vaxleth and Persalia through no fault of the ship itself. It's just something that we we like aspects of, but it's not like our favorite. And also we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Ashley Johnson had to miss a lot of campaign one and a lot of the first like half of campaign two because she was filming a show in New York and you can't be in two places at once. And she was doing the the Zoom call thing well before any of us were where she would sometimes video chat in, which was fine when it worked because it didn't all, you know, the internet 
connections are a little bit fraught sometimes, especially in New York City where there's however many 10 million people all trying to be on the internet at the same time. So for that, they didn't have as much development. I did notice watching back some early campaign clips that they did have a lot of back and forth flirtation that didn't go anywhere because Ashley wasn't physically there and Pike was like, it was a little bit different than the show, but they were like, oh, she's off building a temple to her deity in Vasselheim and they didn't have a lot of communication with her they didn't really see her she kind of just popped in when she could she was there for the Briarwood stuff a lot of it but it's just a poor like circumstance that made it so that they didn't have as much development which is both sad and I think a good thing because it all ends up working out for them um I think that they do end up having a really interesting relationship but I also wouldn't care if it never happened (laughs) that sounds mean (laughs) but you know what I mean Yeah, I feel similarly about them. And obviously, I don't have the campaign perspective on them apart from things that I've heard. And it's mostly Mm -hmm. just stuff that I've heard from other people, mostly Steph. Um, (laughs) uh, So I knew a little bit about them in the campaign. And I knew that they were a thing um, and that they ultimately do, again, spoilers, um, end up together. (laughs) But... I also knew that there wasn't a lot of development for them um, because of what happened with uh, Ashley. And I think what's been nice about the show is that they've been able to not only bring Ashley in more and have her be more involved with the story because she's there now, but also they've been able to develop this relationship a little bit more. And I think both you and I have talked about how we enjoyed um, the the stuff that we did get from them. It was fun, and that's how I feel about them. It's like, okay, I think this is pretty fun, actually, now that I'm seeing it. Um, I don't die hard ship it, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be my OTP forever yeah. or anything like that, but um, at least it's, uh, it's a fun thing to watch. Yeah, for sure, and... Um... More spoilers, I guess. They they do get together, but they eventually, they end up having a couple kids, I think, and then they get divorced. And then they are friends afterwards, which, hey, we love an amicable divorce, you know, where everybody gets to remain friends, they co-parent. It's great. Um, Which is another, you know, that's great representation. A lot of the time in a love story, it's like they end up together and it's happily ever after. Sometimes people don't live happily ever after. Sometimes... They grow apart and they just realize that they want different things out of life. And for somebody like Pike and Scanlan, they're going to live quite a long time, which is a long time to be with somebody that you don't know if you really want to be with forever. But they did take some time to grow on me as well. And I, of course, have all of that hindsight from the campaign. But what we have gotten in the animated series has been really, I think, just sweet and wholesome, which is not words that I would associate with Scanlan most of the time. But I think in in like kind of speed running Scanlan's character arc here, we are seeing more sides of him and the more like sweet, sincere side of him is really nice too. We we talked about this last week, but everybody had a lot of complaints that Scanlan was a very one note character in season one, and I think he was. So to see him get more layers and to see Pike kind of get into that uh, sphere more as well, because she was, you know, kind of just focused on being the cleric, doing all of her holy stuff, healing people, and now she gets to do something else, which is entertain a, a flirtationship with with Scanlan and also uh, rearranging some of the uh, storylines that happened from the campaign. They had met Kaylee a lot earlier on in the Chroma Conclave arc 
And something that Scanlon started to think about when he met her was, okay, I have completely failed my daughter her whole life. What if I die before I get to repair that relationship with her? So nobody knew about this until the very last, it was like after the campaign ended, they were doing their campaign wrap up. Scanlon had written Pike a letter asking her basically to take care of Kaylee if anything happened to him. And she was requested not to read it until he had died. And she read it immediately after he left the room. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course she did. Yeah. (laughs) So things happened when they met up with Will Hand eventually. Scanlon thought it was a really good idea to ask him if he could marry Pike. And Will Hand was like, sure, you seem like a nice enough guy. You seem to be really into her. So here you go. And Pike did not say yes. Um, <laughs> Good for but her. I, I do. Yes. <laughs> I do think that it's sweet that their relationship goes beyond just like infatuation. Um, and it is a level of respect that he has for her that he would give her this responsibility of like taking care of his child who he never knew about. And he felt like Pike could do justice, you know, and do right by her and make sure that she had a good life. And another side of it is that he really feels like Pike has that spiritual side of her all figured out. So I think he thought that that could benefit Kaylee as well. I remember a specific line from it was from the letter that he wrote. He thought he thought that he was looking for a like a wife or a woman to love. But what he was really looking for was somebody to be a mother to his daughter. I was like, oh, that's so interesting of Sam to put that in there because it did feel like he was kind of just objectifying Pike. And he did apologize to her for that, which, again, was super mature of him to be like, you know, I've been a little bit forward with you and I feel like I'm pushing your boundaries and that's not okay of me, which was one of the biggest Uh, steps that Scanlan took toward being a better person honestly which I like that's a common theme with a lot of these ships is like the woman is awesome she is so cool she is so badass and the guy is like she is way too good for me shit (laughs) (laughs) I need to get my shit together and figure out how to be the person that she deserves or the person that I think she deserves which a lot of the time is like okay maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit but Let's be real. All the girls in Vox Machina are cooler than their boyfriends. Um. (laughs) I saw that you mentioned in your notes on Percy and Vex this idea of like, I can fix him. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you just said really ties into that because it really turns the trope on its head. Because what you get instead of a woman being like, I can fix this dude. It's more like this dude realizing that he needs to fix himself. Um, before he can be worthy of this woman in his life. And I like that a lot. Yeah, because so often I feel like there are... Now we're just getting into tropes, which we said we wouldn't do. But um, <laughs> but a lot of the time it feels like in a traditional like male-female relationship, the guy is like, this is just who I am and you have to accept me whether you know whether you want to or not because I'm not changing and before the relationship even begins in a lot of the cases in critical role is like the man self-actualizing the man working on all of his issues sorting through his trauma sorting through all of his 
um, flaws and his hangups and then being like, okay, I feel like I'm I'm in a better place to to start a, a relationship with somebody. But the other thing that I like about it is that with almost all of these ships, it's on the woman's terms rather than the man's terms because it's a lot of the time is the guy asking the girl out and she's like, hmm okay even if she's not super into it and then it's kind of like they grow on you over time and it's just tolerating the flirtation because as women I feel like we are socialized to kind of just accept these things rather than being honest about how we feel because we're number one like at risk of of being you know seriously hurt or or worse a lot of the time with dudes not being able to handle rejection but also because we're taught to never like be mean to anybody and these ladies are all mean (laughs) which is a good thing (laughs) when they need to be yes exactly when the situation (laughs) calls for it it's never a bad thing to set boundaries in general but i really like that the boundaries are respected Mm -hmm. um which something is something that early Scanlan might not have respected because he was just like, I just want to get laid. And then somewhere along the line, Sam was like, I think I'm going to make this into an actually interesting character. I think there was a point for all of them where they decided to start taking the campaign more seriously. And one of the biggest turnarounds was Liam O'Brien deciding that Vax was in love with Keyleth. Good transition there, Katie. I'm going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> Very good. No, I like that a lot. Um, yes. Are we going to talk about Vaxlith then? Yes. We. I have so much to say about Vaxlith. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, that clearly was a big turning point, as we already alluded to. And thank you, Liam O'Brien, for your service to the world. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that did draw me towards that ship when I first sort of started uncovering them was this idea that he was kind of hopelessly in love with her um, because I think that's really cute, honestly. (laughs) Um, I think it kind of goes towards what you um, have in your notes about this kind of first love, this idea of like just thinking somebody is really cool and thinking that, you know, I would really like to be with them. Um, I don't really know what that looks like. I don't really know how that's going to work, but I just think you're really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's so much of that for, for Vax and Keyleth, and that's one of the really sweet things about them um, is that uh, awkwardness that has come through several times, I think, uh, in the show already. There's been, you know, those moments where they're like, chatting and then they'll start blushing or turn away or whatever (laughs) um and then in the campaign um there are moments that i have seen because i've seen like compilations that i think are are just brilliant um which i know you enjoy as well like um the first time that they say i love you to each other Mm -hmm. and they they give each other a high five which is great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's interesting. Like, it's alluded to, of course, that Vax has uh, flirtations with Gilmore. And in the book Kith and Kin, I think he had uh, at least one love interest. But the thing that I always maintain, and I'm not going to get into anything graphic, but the thing that I always maintain is that there's, a, a, in my head at least, a pretty clear difference between sex and lust and 
romance and admiration. And sometimes they can overlap and be the same thing. But just because Vax had sex with somebody doesn't mean that they were like the love of his life. It might just be like circumstantial. They were attracted to each other. Mm -hmm. But Keyleth has never had a relationship before Vax. She had a little bit of a flirtation with Cash, which we've talked about and is well noted that she didn't really reciprocate. But with Vax and Keyleth, it is a lot of that, like the awkward moments that a lot of the time breed some of the funniest moments like a lot of the funniest moments come from them just being completely tongue-tied around each other and not really knowing how to address their feelings and then once everything's out in the open it's like oh everything's 10 times more awkward now because you rejected me and I rejected you and then like they they each reject each other I think twice before they actually get together because it's like you said Vax was a hopeless romantic but he was also at the time very hopeless in general because he was super depressed going through a lot of repressed feelings that he thought he had kind of forgotten about or dealt with and all of the things that were happening at the time were bringing all those feelings up again and something that I found really interesting that somebody had pointed out on Tumblr that I'd never thought about was the reason why Vax was attracted to Keyleth in the first place was her innocence and like just the bright, wholesome way that she viewed the world and how she kind of thought of everything as a new experience being really exciting and just not having been like jaded or dealt with a lot of the ugliness of the world yet. And then in campaign two, his character Caleb fell in love with Laura's character Jester for the same reason because she was extremely sheltered and she was starting to discover the world as it was and everything was like new and exciting to her and I think that there's something really interesting about him looking to somebody who is kind of untouched by all of the harm and hate and awfulness in the world and just kind of views things as like every day is a new adventure and him getting to experience that vicariously through Keyleth is something that I think keeps him going a lot of the time, which is really sweet because with Keyleth, her relationship with Vax is also a new thing. So their relationship in and of itself is like, oh, I'm having this new fun experience and it's just exciting. But I think the biggest thing that I enjoy about them is how much they build each other up and how much they come through for each other in difficult circumstances. Keyleth struggles a lot with like self-doubt and just having a lot of insecurity about her abilities and eventually her ability to lead. And Vax was also having a bit of a like crisis of faith that Keyleth supported him through. And I just love the idea that when one of them really needs support, the other one comes through because again, that's extremely rare to see in romance and media. I love that about them too. I love um, how much uh, you wrote that Vax kind of worships her in some ways. And that can be unhealthy under certain circumstances, but I don't think it is for them because I think you're right. They both support each other. They both are there for each other. And it's not like he puts her on a pedestal in as much as he knows what she's struggling with. And he sort of says to her, I'm here to support you through that. And I also really love the fact that she is so powerful, especially compared to him, because as we talked about before, actually you brought this up, Vax isn't the most powerful member of Vox Machina. In fact, physically, he's probably the weakest one. But Keyleth is a powerhouse. Like, she can really, if she wants to, she can really just kind of destroy things. I like that Vax isn't threatened by that, that he just looks at that and he's like, wow, 
you're amazing. I think you're awesome. Like in the first season, that was one of my favorite things was that every opportunity he got, he would be like, wow, you're amazing. <laughs> you're really awesome. It just made me think of, um, I actually mentioned coincidentally Jean Grey earlier from the X-Men, who is one of my all-time favorite characters. Uh, also a redhead like Keyleth. <laughs> who is a very powerful character who I think in uh, some, uh, not all of the X-Men, because the X-Men has obviously been in like movies and comics and lots of different media, but sometimes she is kind of restrained or they feel like um, for some reason in the story, other characters feel like they have to hold back her power because it's too dangerous because if she gets too powerful, she's going to end up hurting herself and other people. And I really don't like that. <laughs> and I feel like what's nice about Keyleth is that um, Vax doesn't try to do that for her. He doesn't say to her like, oh, you're too powerful, this is dangerous. He's like, you're really powerful and you deserve to believe in yourself because um, you just are that amazing, so. I love that about them so much. For sure. And I think that also gets spun from the idea that the woman can't be, if she's in a relationship, she can't be like the leading woman and she can't be a leader mm -hmm. because she has to be like the queen or like the girlfriend of the superhero. It's like the, I hate to come at this ship because I do like them, but it's kind of like the Spider-Man Mary Jane effect where it's like the boyfriend is the superhero, the boyfriend has superpowers, and then the girlfriend is just like a regular person. Again, not that Vax is a regular person. He is a very special person who has talents and his own strengths, but he, like you said, is physically weaker and he has benefits, he has advantages to certain things, but they're not in the same way that Keyleth has. For Keyleth, she she is a lot of the time like the uh like you said powerhouse who deals the most damage who has the most effective spells and a lot of the time she also is like and this is reflecting back on marisha in the game but is like i don't know if this is even gonna work but i'm gonna try it and i think that she wouldn't have ever tried those things if vax had never given her the courage that she needed to try things and be okay with failing but also like if you don't ever try you never know if it's going to work out and that's another benefit to their relationship that I really enjoy is like it's not just him talking her up because he really wants to sleep with her or he just really wants to be with her he has a genuine respect for her and a genuine reverence for her that again you don't really see because it's like usually a super cool guy and a girl who is supporting him and supporting his endeavors and it's a very like give take relationship and less of a like give take give take because that's what a relationship should be like we were saying before about being supportive of each other it's not one person giving and the other person taking it's them each kind of giving when needed mm -hmm. which it, it just it's equality like it lays the ground it lays the groundwork for more equality uh, which I really enjoy. I think those are my favorite relationships in media too, is those that are, I feel like, equal in some way. Mm -hmm. um, where I don't feel like one person is always taking the spotlight um, and the other person is always supporting them, where I feel like there's this back and forth. Um, and I, I think that is very true for, for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, I think. They have that side of their relationship that is kind of the the light and the sweetness and the innocence that we talked about. 
And then what's really interesting about them too is that they have this other side, which is the kind of the tragic bittersweetness uh, to their relationship with the fact that it's not going to last that long. Yeah, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but one of the biggest uh, roadblocks that they had in the beginning was the very concept of the fact that they were going to live different lifespans, like Keyleth was going to live upward of a thousand years and Vax would be lucky to have like a tenth of that. But the biggest thing, even before the big tragedy comes along, is that Vax is just grateful for every single minute that he gets with Keyleth. Mm-hmm. He would rather have, you know, a, a short amount of really happy times than a long amount of being apart and denying themselves that happiness because it's going to end eventually. I think that that's a really interesting way to look at life in general. I think it goes hand in hand with the Raven Queen stuff as well, because it's like life is so precious because of death. And there is, of course, a lot of sadness that's going to come out of Vax's death. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that like anybody has to forget about him. Vex certainly won't. She's going to think about her twin brother every single day of her life. But Keyleth is also going to think about her first love every single day for the rest of her life. And she might move on and she might find somebody else. Uh, Marisha was a little bit hesitant to confirm or deny whether or not Keyleth would have moved on in a a timeline that a lot of people would think is appropriate. But there's a, a commentary there to be said about like the fact that widowed men tend to move on and widowed women tend to remain single. But Keyleth is also extremely young. So to close herself off from the dating pool at like 25 might be a little bit silly because that's when a lot of people just start entering the dating pool. But the tragedy of it all is something that I wasn't aware of until I started to get into Critical Role. And then I was like, oh, God, this is like really cruel of fate to put them together and then confirm Keyleth's worst fear, knowing that the biggest thing that she was hesitant on was the fact that she was going to lose him and then it's just like we're going to speed run you losing him <laughs> even quicker. But again, the aspect of that that I can appreciate the most is that Vax looks at it as every day with Keyleth is a gift. It doesn't matter if it's going to end. It doesn't matter if the time that they have together is going to end. He's just grateful to have had her for any amount of time and knowing that she is going to be a great leader also gives him a lot of peace as well. And something that I really appreciate about it too is that she wouldn't have become half the leader that she ends up becoming if not for all of the confidence that Vax instilled in her, which might on the surface feel a little bit misogynistic because it's like the woman didn't have confidence until she met the man. But it's again more of just them building each other up as opposed to him just standing there and giving her all of the confidence that she needs. But yeah, in a very roundabout way, I think that um, while their relationship is very short-lived, I like the journey that they take along the way. And it makes the the sweetness of it feel even more, um, it makes it just feel even more precious mm-hmm. because apparently nothing good can last. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's really interesting because again it's a subversion of a lot of of tropes yeah i was thinking about it a lot um because the first item on your uh notes about vaxleth was the tragedy and then i was thinking about it myself because i generally don't 
tend to gravitate towards ships where there is a lot of tragedy. Because, you know, I figure life is pretty difficult a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and I don't always want to be sad about the fact that, like, the two people who I wanted to be together, they ended up, one of them died, or both of them died, or something happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about the other ship that I love that had a tragic ending, um, and kind of comparing them. And I think there are some comparisons there, because the other ship that... Um, I was thinking about is Sawyer and Juliet from the show Lost. I don't think you've watched Lost, right? No, my sister has, and she's always bugging me about watching it, but it's a lot to commit to. (laughs) It is, it is, yeah. Um, That's totally fair. I watched it when it was airing, so it was kind of at the time. Hmm. And Sawyer and Juliet, massive spoilers in case anybody still hasn't watched it. Sorry, (laughs) I'm going to spoil it for you. Um, But... uh, uh, Juliet dies um, at the end of season five, I believe. Mm. And she was one of my favorite characters. I was extremely upset. She and Sawyer didn't have that much time together um, before she died. At least not time that we saw because they kind of cut um, between one period and another. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't see a lot of them together. And then she died. And I still love their relationship and I love the story as a whole because of what ends up happening at the very end of Lost, again, massive spoilers, (laughs) is that they meet each other in the afterlife or it's kind of like a purgatory type situation. And they meet each other and they don't recognize each other at first and then they touch and they remember everything that they went through when they were alive. And it's that's really sweet. It's really beautiful. It's like one of my favorite scenes ever. Um, when they, uh, it's an exchange that happens over a vending machine. So it's it's very <laughs> it's very fun and um, it's it's really beautiful. And I think there is a comparison there with Vax and Keyleth because you touched on the fact that she may or may not have moved on during her lifetime. And I think it would be totally reasonable for her to have another relationship. Um, because as you say, she's very young when Vax dies. And I think Vax would probably want that, to be honest. He would want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. But there is this idea that is mentioned in, I think, some of the epilogues um, that when she does eventually die, that she sees Vax again. Mm -hmm. And that they have that connection that in some ways can never be severed. Uh, And I think that's really beautiful and romantic. And I think maybe that's why I forgive the tragedy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, of Vax and Keyleth and also the tragedy of Sawyer and Juliet. Because they gave me this kind of guarantee that like, yeah, but they're still going to be together in some way. And they're still going to be connected and their love was Mm -hmm. meaningful, um, and, you know, it wasn't just, like, something that kind of ended and they forgot about kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So I think that maybe that's why uh, the bittersweet ships can sometimes appeal to me, is when there is that element of... It's kind of like the the strings of fate, right, that are Mm -hmm. so tied to Vax. Um, You know, if you established that those connections are always going to be there i really enjoy it yeah and it it provides closure that i think there is no closure in death like the door is closed and then it's just kind of like the other person is left there dealing with it 
Um, it's interesting that you you bring up a ship that it made you think of because I'm currently watching The L Word, which is like a whole a mixed bag of problematic and craziness <laughs> in its own right. But there is a ship that uh, I really enjoyed that was very short lived in Alice and Dana. They met uh, through work and then they ended up becoming best friends and Dana was in the closet and Alice was out of the closet. So Dana was kind of experiencing like the first relationship thing with somebody else for a while. And then they ended up getting together and then they also ended up breaking up. And then Dana found out that she had cancer. So they didn't really get the opportunity to reunite before Dana's illness started to progress. And then Dana died right after they confirmed that they still loved each other. Uh, which was uh, is something that I'm like, from a writing standpoint, hate it. Mm-hmm. From a personal shipping standpoint, I'm like, that's not fair because they never got to really live out their full relationship. But again, that's life and life isn't fair. And death is something that feels very unfair to a lot of us. But Alice and Dana kind of got closure through a drug trip in the sequel series uh, that Alice went on like a retreat and then she had a vision of Dana who was like, I'm giving you permission to move on. And I I completely agree with what you said about Vax being like, I want Keyleth to move on and be happy and live a life because her life shouldn't be wrapped up in me who's gone. I mean, again, with the whole like afterlife thing, Vax is dead as in he's not in the physical plane, but he exists in another plane of existence. So for them to have that reunion eventually after Keyleth's very, 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 very long life. It does feel like, okay, I get to have peace at the end of this and not like think about all the torment that Keyleth probably went through of like, okay, how do I figure out how to do life without the person that I love? But something that you mentioned in your notes that I I actually haven't talked about at all is that Keyleth is probably somewhere on the asexual spectrum, a big head canon, or maybe it's canon. I don't really know. I've never fact checked and confirmed is that she's demisexual, which is of course, an orientation where you only desire sexual intimacy with somebody that you have feelings for. I can definitely see that for her as well. I don't know if you wanted to talk about anything like specifically with that, but I thought that it was really uh, an interesting point to bring up about them because it does matter. Yeah, I thought about it because um, as I was thinking through Vax and Keyleth's relationship, it was something that had come up previously, actually, when I'd been talking uh, to my friend Steph as well. She brought up this idea, and I had also seen a couple of things on Tumblr where some people had been headcanoning Keyleth as asexual, and specifically in relationship to how she is with Vax and sort of giving this uh, idea that Vax would definitely be accepting of that, which I feel like he would. And I feel like in the campaign, from what I've seen, there are several moments where you could interpret it as them having had sex, or you could interpret it as they were intimate and they, I don't know, spent the night together in her room and didn't have sex. And I think either interpretation is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And I'm somebody who kind of identifies with some aspects of demisexuality. So I also get it from that perspective. And yeah, I just think it's an interesting thing to explore. And I think that if 
anybody wanted to read Keyleth as asexual or as demisexual, I think that's a completely valid interpretation of her. And I do think that Vax would be 100% on board with whatever it was that Keyleth wanted, because that's the way it seems from their relationship. Yeah, for sure. I I actually read a fic. I've, I'm totally blanking on what it's called, but it was a kind of a chronicling of the progression of the intimacy between them. And it was like a full year into the relationship before she was finally like, okay, I think I'm ready to think about having sex. And he was extremely patient and like just took things at her pace and was like, if there's anything that you don't like, if there's anything that you don't want to do, you just tell me to stop and we can stop. And again, it's all about those boundaries that I think are difficult for some people to establish, but something that Vax will always respect because he would rather you know, Keyleth be comfortable, then put his needs before hers. And yeah, I mean, I I like what you said about how he would be fine with with anything. It goes even into like, I think we might have talked about this a little bit. But when Liam was asked what Vax's perfect ending would have been for the story had he survived, it would have been to settle down with Keyleth and kind of just be her like trophy husband and have kids if she wanted, which is another thing that I think we agree on where it's kind of expected for female characters to end up having kids at some point. And I personally don't really see Keyleth ever wanting to have kids. But if Vax wanted kids and Keyleth didn't and he was like, I'm just okay with whatever you want to do. I like that as well because it, it usually results in like a breakup or a big fight or somebody deciding that, you know, they changed their mind and him like wearing her down and her finally agreeing. And <coughs> Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> It never feels it never feels right to me because it's her body and her bodily autonomy. It's like, okay, if he can get pregnant, then that's on him. But if she can and it's something that she doesn't necessarily want, then I don't like the idea that it's like, okay, finally you're into that and then we can do it. It's like actually giving a woman a choice, a novel concept, <laughs> which um, the United States of America certainly seems to be on the fence about. But, you know, again, it's something that is rarely represented in, in media that I really enjoy about them. Yeah, I'm totally uh, in agreement on that. And I think just in general, we've talked about it before, how respectful Vax is of Keyleth, I think is one of my favorite things about him of what she wants to do and what she doesn't want to do i think yeah it just it means a lot because as you say there aren't a lot of representations of that in media i think that what we do get in media kind of gives us this idea that we're supposed to do certain things um and it's always good to get a representation of the opposite so that we can kind of expand our minds and see that other things are possible Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, every relationship is different because every individual is different. So for, I think, a lot of storytelling, it's like just here's the structure, here's the bones of it, and plug two characters into it and then just let it run its course. And I think that a big part of it is, we've talked about this, I've talked about this, the benefit of these characters being controlled by one single person at any given point in time, of course, barring like when somebody couldn't make it and Matt kind of had to step in or somebody else had to make role-playing decisions or um, combat decisions for that character. The big story beats were in the hands of each player. 
So they got to establish what they were comfortable with personally and what the character was comfortable with personally. So it was never something that was like forced into the story or forced into the character or like a forced conflict. All of the conflicts or discussions arose naturally from what was happening in the story at the time, which is, I think, part of why Critical Role is so different. Of course, it's a very different medium from something like a scripted television show where The Legend of Vox Machina is, but of course, it's based on an improvised campaign. So you get those elements of spontaneity within something that seems very like, oh, this had to have been planned out. None of it was planned out. So everything kind of got to develop in a very natural way, which I really enjoyed. I did want to... We we mentioned the, the high five I love yous, which I literally still laugh at it at present um because who else can say that they said i love you to their partner for the first time and then just high-fived because they were so excited (laughs) about it (laughs) again it's that sweetness yeah it's like the it's like the wholesomeness of like something new and a first relationship kind of vibe but the first time that vax spent the night in keelith's room in the campaign we don't know what they did there. Could have been sexy times, could have not been. Totally up to them. He had been trying to leave her room the morning after, and it was probably one of the only times he failed a stealth roll. And Vex was waking up at the same time and coming out of her room and noticed him leaving the room. Possibly one of the funniest moments of the entire campaign because Laura liked to bust Liam's balls. That's just <laughs> that's just the relationship that they have. That's the relationship that the twins have. Anytime that she could give Liam and Vex could give Vax lovingly, teasingly give shit for the for the Keyleth stuff. um, She took that opportunity (laughs) very gladly, um, which was really cute. I've seen that scene as well. And the funniest thing about it, I think, is that he uses his luck ability to roll again (laughs) and he rolls a one twice. So it was like the dice just really wanted him to do that walk of shame. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny that uh, he used that luck feat a lot and very liberally. And a lot of people gave him shit for it. They were like, why are you wasting a luck on this? And he's like, because it's just a game. I'm just having fun. (laughs) Hey, it's just the will of the dice, like you said. My other favorite, very like minor thing, maybe not minor to some people, but not minor to me, is that Vax kind of tends to express his love through hair and like fixing people's hair and doing people's hair with pike he puts her hair up in like little space buns a lot of the time just because it's a like fun little bonding activity and all growing up he would always be the person who would fix vex's hair because he would just be like i'm taking care of you but there is a point in the story where keelith's hair ends up getting like burnt off quite a bit um because she falls into lava it's a whole thing it ended up getting burnt again and he went to her later into the night that it happened and he started to like cut off the ends of her hair just so that it was like clean and so that it was you know presentable And they had a really sweet conversation where it just echoed a lot of the things that we just said, honestly, where he was like, you know, you doubt yourself so much, but you have no idea how much I believe in you and how much the rest of us believe in you, even my sister. So I just love that he takes that opportunity anytime he can to, number one, take care of his girl, make sure that she's looking looking fresh, looking good, and also just take that opportunity to build her up and just hype her up in a moment where she's feeling unsure of herself 
it's it's really sweet and yeah i love that i didn't know about the uh the hair being a consistent theme so that's uh that's a fun thing to discover um about vax the last thing that i wanted to touch on with uh kiki and vax before we move <laughs> on to uh percy and vex is i did want to just talk about how we kind of unknowingly had this shared theory (laughs) about season two of Vox Machina um, because we were talking about how season one really felt like it was the season where we saw how Vax was in love with Keyleth and we saw him falling in love with her over the course of that period and then um, we had a feeling that maybe season two would be kind of about Keyleth falling in love with Vax because she rejected him, obviously, at the end of season one. Um, and so, you know, maybe they would find their way back to each other. And I think we were kind of right because mm-hmm. I do think we saw, like, that scene, which I absolutely love um, from season two, where she is um, gazing at Vax uh, from across <laughs> the room and he just looks very handsome. I actually made it my icon on Discord. Um, (laughs) um, I think that kind of does show that she is definitely falling for him um, in a way Mm -hmm. that she wasn't before I think the only part that didn't come to fruition that we were expecting or hoping for was we didn't get a kiss Yeah, which is a little bit of a shame and I do kind of wish they'd given us that in part because we had an almost kiss in season one so it kind of felt like we were due for uh, a kiss at the end of season two. But, you know, the uh, the gods of Critical Role decided otherwise. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, I, I could definitely see a lot of, which was, again, very true to the campaign, Vax pulling away and Keyleth kind of clocking that and trying to pull him back in and trying to... Um, you know, engage with him and, and keep him uh, participating. And even though they had that little conflict over over the stuff with Pyra, I don't think that that took away from the relationship and the fact that she does really admire him and does um, and is interested in him and and wants to maybe possibly build back to something like that, but have it be on her terms. And that's something that I, I, I've said like 8,000 times today, probably, but it's it's very much like her finally being open to the relationship. Imagine if she was like, I'm in love with you. And he was like, sorry, I have more stuff to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's going to go that way. I, I think that this is what we're going to see in season three is probably going to be them finally coming to that uh, that meeting point and that, that uh, middle point of okay, now we're both on the same page with our feelings and boundaries and what we want out of a relationship with each other, even though there's so much else going on. I think that that also factors into it is that they're like, we could die at any point in time. So it's not just about the lifespan thing anymore. It's about like, we are fighting ancient dragons. And along the way, we are also being confronted with a lot of enemies that are possibly stronger than us, possibly more powerful than us, and we could die at any given point in time. And I don't want... It, it goes back to Vax confessing his love right before the zombies are about to come get them. I don't want anything to be left unsaid before we die. And I think that there is something very romantic about that as well. So, you know, they just... They hit all the right... They hit all the right notes. 
They're just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And as Vex said um, to Keyleth in season two, um, it always matters. Yeah. Even if, you know, uh, there's all this other stuff going on, love is still an important thing. Um, so I thought that was a really nice thing that uh, she said. And I really liked that scene that we talked about as well last time we chatted. It's a little bit a uh, double meaning in that scene of like Vex finally, maybe like a triple meaning of Vex finally accepting Keyleth and being on board with, you know, her brother being in a relationship with her and also just accepting Keyleth as a person and finally letting that last wall down and and being like, okay, I'm ready to be friends with you. And also possibly a little bit of a subconscious permission that she's giving herself to start feeling things for Percy beyond platonic love or platonic feelings. And I've always loved how Vax and Keyleth mirror Percy and Vex in weirdly specific ways where I'm just like, oh, this wasn't planned, but it definitely does feel like fate that these relationships were happening at the same time, but on slightly different timelines. And it wasn't until Vex kind of gave Keyleth a push to go and, and start things with Vax. And then on the inverse, Vax gave Vex a push towards Percy when they eventually got together. I, I really love the idea that they're just like the twins are just supporting each other's relationships because, you know, as much as they depend on each other and as much as Vex was resistant to the idea of somebody being more important to her brother than she is, they still want each other to be happy and that's the biggest thing of of vox machina in general is like they all just want the best for each other and they all just want each other to to be happy even if it looks like a weird polycule on the outside (laughs) but it could be like that sometimes (laughs) true true well i think you're doing really well with your transitions today because that brings us perfectly to uh percy and vex yeah my personal favorite, although Vaxlith holds a very uh, special place in my heart, which I I hadn't been expecting, honestly, in the same way that I hadn't been expecting for Vax to become like possibly one of my favorite characters in all of media for for a good portion of, of my favorite stories. But Percy and Vax, I was immediately on board with in season one of The Legend of Vox Machina. As soon as they had like a moment alone uh, with each other when they were on their way to Whitestone and they just immediately went into kind of Vex teasing him and and giving him shit. That's so the nature of their relationship is just like flirtatious teasing, which I've come to realize is the same approach that I take two relationships so I think that's probably why I am so drawn to their relationship and why I identify with their relationship so much because it feels a little bit more mature and not in a not that Vaxlith feels immature but compared to them it's like these are two people who are a little bit more comfortable with flirting and a little bit more comfortable with giving each other shit and having that more like light-hearted ribbing with each other but also the threads again of this like reverence and respect that Percy has for Vex that is mirrored in Vex and Keyleth I don't know I, I just I have so much to to talk about I could literally just go on and on and on about how 
how much I love every single aspect of their relationship. But those are the those are the big ones for, me, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I came to them a little bit later. Um, as you know, I have said before, Vaxlith grabbed me right from the beginning. There was just something about it even before I saw the show. Um, even before the show existed. Um, <laughs> uh, but Percy and Vex, I have to say, in season one, I liked their interactions. I thought they were fun, but I didn't get those, like, ship feelings about them. Um, <laughs> but I think season two really has given me much more of an appreciation for them, and I think the Echo Tree specifically was a really great episode um, for them. And I was getting a whole lot of feelings about, you know, uh, <laughs> when they were just chatting, which I love. Like, honestly, my favorite film of all time is Before Sunrise, which if anybody hasn't seen it, it's basically a film about a couple walking around Vienna talking to each other um, so and falling in love. Um, so this is my thing. This is my jam when you have people <laughs> just chatting and falling in love. Um, and I think mm-hmm. they really got to have like some really nice conversations in the Echo Tree with, you know, when uh, when Percy is talking to her about um, her father and all of that. Um, I thought that was great. And then you also have on top of that, the very emotional scene when she is uh, being seduced by the tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> name- the tree and cell. Yeah, the tree and cell. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and you get this kind of confession that isn't an explicit confession, but it's kind of obvious what she's talking about. Um, and that was also, I thought, very, um, moving. And I don't even really know how to explain why, um, I found that so (laughs) moving. I think I just like this idea that, like, somebody is in, like, a desperate situation and they're confessing their love for someone. Um, uh, but... I, yeah, I, I think that season two was a really good season for them, and that episode specifically um, definitely drew me in a lot more to why people ship them and why they might be appealing as a couple. That episode had so many of their like iconic moments and iconic lines, and I think for the same reason that people kind of associate Vaxleth with certain arcs, people associate Percy and Vex with the Feywild or Feyrealm arc because that's where they kind of both realized that they had feelings for each other. Specifically after the Sondor confrontation in the bog was when Percy realized, oh shit, I think I might be in love with Vex. And she also came to the same realization at the same time, but neither of them knew it. There's an underlying thing between them that is kind of the opposite of Vax and Keyleth where they both have feelings for each other but they think that the other is like not into them (laughs) so they're both too chicken shit to act on it because they're like oh that would be so embarrassing if I like put myself out there and they like didn't feel the same way (laughs) whereas Vax has no shame he does not care he'll put himself out there he'll put himself on the line he'll pour his heart out to somebody and if they don't reciprocate then that's fine but he just wants it to be said Percy and Vex for all of the bravado that they put on about being confident and not caring what anybody else thinks. They both really do care what other people think, which was was brought up in the uh, the first conversation that they had in the Echo Tree and called back to a very important conversation for their relationship in the campaign where she had been expressing 
insecurity about, you know, the way that she grew up and the way that others perceived her. And Percy was like, it doesn't really matter how others perceive you because if you're confident in who you are, then that shouldn't matter. And who gives a shit what they all think because you're better than them anyway, which is very much the opposite of how he feels about himself. Like they both struggle with the self-confidence thing. And again, same with Vaxleth, they, they build each other up and something that Percy kind of feels a lot of the time is of course not being good enough for Vex, but also not being good enough for anybody because he just has so much self-hatred. Like he's just like, I am like just the worst person ever. And he was genuinely like suicidal for a lot of the first campaign. And it was, I mean, this is like a big, big, big spoiler for the campaign, but Percy and uh, the rest of Vox Machina end up confronting Ripley or probably the other way around. But anyway, they have a confrontation with Ripley uh, in which Percy dies and they have a resurrection ritual for him. And it's Vex confessing her love to Percy that brings his soul back, which is just like the layers of romance that these these two have is just unprecedented. And I think it's more in like line with the classic ideas of romance where, you know, there is a lot of subversion as well. But what's more romantic than either part of the ship dying and then like the thing that brings them back is love that the other person has for them. I wrote in my notes, like there's a lot of themes of just like death and rebirth and growth and fresh starts and new beginnings with them because they both kind of felt like they were in a point where they didn't deserve nice things. And then they saw that in each other and they were like, hey, you need to stop being so mean to yourself. You need to like let yourself have good things and be happy. And uh, yeah, no, I, I just I think that the the other aspect of the echo tree that was great was him giving her the arrowhead, which she ended up using to kill Sondor. Again, it's flipping some tropes on their head because, yes, she did have that, you know, my heart is someone else's, but in a lot of scenarios, she would kind of probably be the damsel in distress and he would be the one to save the day. And he did inadvertently save the day, but she took it upon herself to use that gift that he gave her and implement that. Again, Vaxleth parallels in the same way where Vax kind of gives Keyleth the tools that she needs to to lead and to be more powerful. Percy is is just the the trophy husband who's who's cheering her on from the sidelines um, because she's so friggin' cool and he's like, I'm a loser. I don't deserve, I don't deserve this. <laughs> well, actually, while you were talking about comparing them with Vaxleth, um, it occurred to me. The difference is that they are really cool. Um, Percy <laughs> and Vex are very cool. Like, at least to the outside world, that is the appearance that they give off, right? I'm very cool. I know what I'm doing. I've got my shit together. I can swear on this podcast, right? Oh, yeah. I, I do okay, it all the time. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I think that's the difference. Whereas Keyleth and Vax are very uncool <laughs> in the way yeah. that they deal with each other. Um, so I think that's a nice comparison. I also, while you were talking, I thought of something when you mentioned the kind of death and rebirth and new beginnings. It's basically another form of the true love's kiss, like in a fairy tale, right? Bringing you back to life. That's what it is. It's it's true love's kiss, but um, it said it's like a declaration of love, but it's the same thing. 
I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I will get more like heart to heart conversations that they'll have about those very things about, um, you know, applying all of the personal epiphanies that they've been having to their relationship, which is so smart. And like, again, if it weren't just done all in the moment, I would think that Laura and Talison like meticulously planned that out with each other and were like, okay, so as soon as he's having this thing going on, she's going to have this thing going on and then they're going to be like, oh shit, I'm going through the same thing and then we come together. It's like, no, it just organically happened that way. The title thing as well, it's it's something that uh, he, yes, gifts to her the same way that he gave her the arrowhead as a kind of subliminal like here's me kind of showing you a little bit of how I feel about you, but it can also be interpreted in a friendly way. So if you don't feel the same way, I don't feel bad about being rejected. The title ends up becoming something that she has to actually earn, which I think is him placing a lot of respect on her as well, where it's like, I'm not just giving you this thing so that you feel better about yourself. You still have to prove that you're worthy of this. And I have so much belief in you and trust in you that I know that you can do that. So I don't know. There's just something that really appeals to me, again, about the woman in the relationship being like super awesome and super cool. And the guy being like, yeah, you are the coolest person ever. And I'm just going to build you up constantly because I I am completely inadequate in comparison. (laughs) I like the fact that I think as well when he does just give her the title he kind of blurts it out without checking with her first and later on he apologizes and he's like i'm sorry i just kind of sprung that on you i do think that's a nice uh, i don't know what i would call it like a trope or just a trait to see in a relationship because what i was thinking about was this idea that when you're in a relationship with another person there's always this fact that you don't know exactly what's going on inside their head Mm -hmm. and they don't know exactly what's going on inside your head. And so I think part of the beauty of relationships, another thing that I really like about like exploring ships and, and thinking about that is trying to figure out what is going on with the other person and navigating that sometimes means you mess up Mm -hmm. and you might do something that, you know, they might not like, um, or like with Percy too, um, you know, after they get Fenthras, he says, oh, let's go and show it to your dad. And like, well, we'll show him. And by that point, Vex is like, well, I don't think I need to anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's already kind of moved on to another point. Um, and I just really find that interesting. And I think I've been thinking about it too, because I was listening to um, a song the other day that is um, a song called Like to Be You by Shawn Mendes and Julia Michaels does a vocal on it as well. And the song is all about that. It's about this, like the chorus is, I don't know what it's like to be you. I don't know what it's like, but I'm dying to. And I think that's really something that is exemplified quite well in their interactions is that they're trying to figure each other out and they don't really know yet, but they want to explore and they want to learn more about each other. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about how they seem so cool on the surface. The reality is they're both dorks like they don't actually know what they're doing half the time and it also goes back to them harboring feelings for each other but neither of them wanting to be the one to like rip off the band-aid and be the first one to say it because it's like you know what's really not cool 
getting rejected um, is really uncool. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I I think that that's uh, a really a really profound point to make because they they never make assumptions about each other. Like they'll both be like, "Hey, I've been having this kind of feeling about you know the, something that you're going through, and I really want to reach out and uh, support you through that, but I also don't want to overstep my boundaries and put my foot in my mouth and say the wrong thing for for reasons that I think." They both are people who kind of tend to uh, be a little bit reactive, but also going back to what you were saying about going to show Fenthris to uh, her father, they both are people who hold grudges. Neither of them understands that better than the other, and that's something that they both kind of uh, end up weirdly bonding over, is the idea of... You know, I I know that the right thing to do and I know that the, the mature thing to do is to forgive when something happens between me and another person where I feel like they've kind of slighted me, but I also am harboring a lot of resentment toward that person for justified reasons. It's not even like they're being petty or something, uh, but I think that that's a, a really interesting thing that they both they, – they have a lot of the same internal thoughts and a lot of the same internal feelings that they're – both afraid to express but once they do start to open those doors and and break down those walls it's like there there's no delicate way for me to say this they're both going to like bone town as often as they can they're just so horny for each other as soon as the relationship starts i i shit you not they have their first kiss which is one of the ro- most romantic first kisses I've ever seen. Like, I can't wait for them to do it in the in the animated series. And then the next interaction they have is them having sex for the first time. <laughs> it is, like, immediately, like, oh, okay, so we're doing this, right? Like, this is... And, and again, it's, it's Vex initiating it and being, like, okay, so this is the next step that we're going to take in our relationship naturally. Uh, don't know how you're feeling about that, but Percy was very receptive to that. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I just I, I I love that every every opportunity that they take to express to each other how they feel either privately or publicly or romantically or just, you know, two people being there for each other. It's very earnest and for two people who kind of tend to be sarcastic and act like they don't take things seriously and act like they're kind of above it all to actually have like genuine moments with each other is is really uh, it adds a, a layer of richness to both of their characters and to the, re- the relationship that I personally really like. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it goes back to what we were saying before about how, you know, each relationship is different and different people are different too. So that also is reflected in the fact that, you know, maybe Vax and Keyleth, sex might not play as big a role as it does in Percy and Vex. Maybe that's something that's more important to them than it is necessarily to other people. Um, and I think that's fun too, to compare and, again representation of lots of different kinds of ways of being in a relationship um Mm -hmm. i do like that regardless of the sex part i think that for vaxleth and for persalia at least the very little that i have seen of the campaign 
it seems like they are very open about the fact that they are together and in a relationship. And one of my pet peeves in media is that there are a lot of couples who are like couples on screen that don't seem to act like they're a couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, I get that like not every couple is very into like PDA and, and that kind of stuff. But it just it bugs me that sometimes you don't see just small things like holding somebody's hand when they're, you know, having a tough time or something like that. Um, I feel like that there could be more of that in uh, in media. And I hope that once Vaxleth and Prasadi get together, that we'll get to see more of that um, on screen too. I think that would be fun. And we've seen a little bit, actually. We saw Vax and Keyleth holding hands. Yeah, it's just like the casual affection that reinforces the relationship at large. They both, in the beginning of their relationships, are a little bit hesitant to actually express that in front of the others, which is understandable. You know, it's like, a, it's a, it, it can be a tricky thing to transition from just friends to a relationship when you are in such a close-knit group as Vox Machina. Even in real life, you know, you can have a friend group and there's two people in the friend group who you're like, they're totally going to get together, right? And everybody's talking about it and then they finally do and they're like, what do you mean we're together? I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are so unsubtle. You guys are so unserious. It's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that as well. I think even though we can't have every single one-on-one -on -one conversation every single intimate moment between them even to just see them like in the background or there was that focus on on Keyleth taking Vax's hand in the last episode which I thought was very intentional and a romantic thing that like old movies kind of play into because they couldn't show that much uh physical yes. con contact uh, on film for a while because it was uh, too sexy to even like be holding hands so like just touching hands was was like the height of romance it's the pride and prejudice thing too like yeah. uh darcy and uh elizabeth they do the same thing in that case because in their society it wouldn't have been acceptable for like um you know these great displays of affection so yeah i like it too it brings me joy yes yeah absolutely another thing that brings me joy a very quick like tack on to the to the end of the Persalia conversation for me at least is the secret marriage trope that they uh end up getting into there is a pretty large time jump in campaign one that takes place after the chroma conclave arc and then after another like smaller arc that has to do with sam's second character because I've talked about this a lot. Scanlan ends up leaving the group and then he brings in another character and they kind of deal with his whole thing and they're dealing with a little bit of personal stuff and like Keyleth has her water Aramente test uh, during that time as well. But immediately after that, there is a one year time jump where I had mentioned before Percy and Vex break up briefly and then they get back together and they're both in Whitestone. She's building her house on her property that he gave her. Every now and again, Vax and Keyleth will kind of come visit them for like a, a weekend away. But there came a point where they just kept kind of proposing to each other as like a joke and as like a dare. And then they were like, you're not going to do it. And the other one would be like, well, you're not actually going to do it either. And then they were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just get married and not tell anybody. <laughs> 
And um, I think the only person who was a witness was Zara, if I'm not mistaken. And then they were trying to like keep it from the rest of the group for a while until it eventually came out. And um, I'm not going to get into the whole Vax of it, but uh, Vax's reaction was a little bit uh, like a personal hurt for me, honestly, because the fact that Vax wasn't at his own sister's wedding when he like always thought about, you know, them being there for each other on those big days um, was sad personally, but I just love the like sneakiness of it that they're just like, we're sneaking around and we're actually married and nobody knows it. It's it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that I love. I love like p- two people eloping and kind of not wanting to be open about that right away because they kind of wanted Percy even says like, I just wanted something that was mine Aww. for a little bit that I didn't have to share with anybody else, which I just thought was really sweet. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big thing in a lot of ships is sometimes they want those little moments that are just theirs. And I could definitely understand that um, as well from just a perspective as a person. Um, I, th- I think yeah. when you're in a relationship, there's a lot of external input right into the relationship. And there are moments when you just want to tune that out for a little bit. Um, which, you know, I think it's healthy to have both. You do need to have a balance between both. But uh, but yeah, sometimes the, the outside stuff can get a bit overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. It's so good to get differing perspectives on these things because if I was just doing this by myself, it would be like, this is why I like this. And then we kind of get the opportunity to bring different uh, examples into things and, and talk about our, our own personal favorite things. Yeah, this was a blast. I absolutely loved <laughs> chatting about these ships. So thank you so much again for uh, for having me on. I would love to join you again sometime. Um, I don't think I will be able to, depending on what it is that you, <laughs> you cover next. Um, but uh, in the future, if I'm ever able to, then just let me know. Well, I mean, season three of Vox Machina is probably going to end up airing in a little less than a year or so. And we can definitely talk ships again when we get uh, the end of season three, because I'm sure there'll be even more to talk about next time. Oh, yeah. And yeah, any any Vox Machina related stuff or anything that we we both have in common, I would absolutely love to have you back. I have been running a poll um, that you kind of alluded to on my Tumblr, which has gotten a weirdly large response that I was not expecting. I was probably expecting like 20, 30 votes. It's almost at 100 votes, and I only posted it last night um, for the next series that I'm going to do. Yeah, I was I was like, whoa, okay. The lesbians came out in full force because at the moment, Arcane is in the lead. Um, let's go, lesbians, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I I have a poll up on my Tumblr, which if you don't follow, why not get an account and follow it? Um, Because I'm not going to put it on Twitter or anything, because then that would be subjected to the uh, the wrath of Twitter. Um, so I'm not gonna go. <laughs> I'm not gonna go that far. Um, but even if you can't vote in that, you can also email me uh, and let me know which show you would prefer. Until we have more Vox Machina to talk about, this is the end of our discussion today. So I want to thank you once more for coming on and and having this lovely discussion. Till next time, I'll probably be talking about Arcane, it seems like. And everybody, don't forget to love each other. It's scary out there in a lot of parts of the world, but 
just be kind (laughs) (laughs) and i will see you again in probably a week or so but i'll i'll talk to rebecca before that (laughs) (laughs) bye bye